This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, Manchester United have a worldwide fan base. Our own listeners and presenters on the channel come from different corners of the world. As you can see, Kyle comes from America, our, our favourite host up there on the right-hand side. Uh, do you get frustrated that you can't watch Manchester United or Premier League football or any certain live sports events because they're not televised or available in your country? Well, friends, listeners, viewers, we have a solution did you know that NordVPN um, enables you to switch your virtual location to a country that is showing the game so you don't miss out? You can watch the action live and then you can catch up with us to discuss it afterwards. If you're concerned about cybercrime and people stealing your private data, NordVPN, as you covered, it's a one-stop shop for cybersecurity. It's easy to use. You don't have to be a tech genius to use it. With your NordVPN account, you can protect up to six devices. That's no hackers, no malicious sites or pop-ups to worry about. That's for the price of one coffee a month. You can have complete peace of mind knowing your devices and data is protected. A small price to pay for premium cybersecurity access to not only sport but entertaining content from all over the world. Get your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com. De- forward slash devils 10 to get a huge discount off your node vpn plan and four months for free it's completely risk-free with nodes 30-day money-back guarantee that's node vpn forward slash devils one zero and the link is in the description this is talking devils the leading independent manchester united podcast i'm your host wayne barton joined on this sunday evening or afternoon as we are in kyle's land um <laughs> to talk over um, the weekend's event at Manchester United. I'm joined by Kyle Diller and Harry Toe. Um, if you're watching back on the... Um, well, if you're watching live, in fact, on YouTube, feel free to get your questions and comments in also on Facebook. If you're watching the replay, do feel free to say hello and comment. We do reply to all of those comments. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you are listening on. Um, it's been a while, guys. Good to have you on on this Sunday. Yeah. Um, come to you first, Harry. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, yeah, good. It's, um, I guess, the benefits of being in the Europa League, right? So we're always playing on a blooming Sunday. So I guess that's why I couldn't, couldn't go on check. But yeah, no, it's great to be back. Uh, I haven't done one of these in a little while. So bit, been all good. Been slightly chirpier. You know, the performances have been better. With United, always always makes uh, for a better weekend. So it's all good. Yeah. Kyle, how, how about you, mate? You all right? Good. Yeah, it's been been a while. It's good to talk with everyone. The schedule's been a, a little weird with everything going on, but uh, yeah, it's good to, to finally get back on and, and talk about United for a little bit. Especially considering we've had a decent amount of results. Although, yeah, I, I guess it's like it's definitely over the. I mean, the last week it's two draws and a win and. I'm sitting here thinking, you know what, it's glass half full. It's not actually, you know, one of those draws was a home draw with Newcastle. So, um, very interesting run of results. Um, yesterday, we drew 1-1 at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, a ground where we've 
I think they said it was the most drawn game in Premier League history. Well, <laughs> it helps when two of those teams have been in from the off, right? So it's one of the most played games. So it's obviously stands a, a good chance of being the most drawn. But we, I felt honestly, you know, I, th- I felt like we picked up where we left off against Spurs. Thought it was a controlled first half performance, the most assured we've been in a game like that for for years. I felt um, away from home, the authority with which we played. Um, I had the same concern as I did it against Spurs around about half time because against Spurs we played so well in the first half. I'm thinking it's difficult to match that level of intensity in the second and, and that level of control. Well, I was proved wrong on 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 Wednesday for sure because they came out and they played magnificently in the second. I'm not saying that was right um, yesterday, but I did feel like we took some of the sting out of our own momentum for a little bit with the changes that we made. Um, obviously, Ericsson, his stamina and his endurance to last a full game is, is one thing to to sort of discuss. Uh, Rashford obviously has been leading the line and there's no one in there. I mean, Ronaldo's escapades will come to in a, a little while, but Rashford's been tasked with that responsibility. The only really the the only front man that we've got to, to lead that. So there's been a lot of pressure on him, but he, he sort of felt as soon as he went off, there wasn't an outlet yesterday. So it was a bit difficult. Um, so I, I felt like we did sort of shoot ourselves in the foot with the way that we were playing the game and the, the timing with which he made the changes. And then you say that, and then we, we concede a penalty and then we um, bombard and score the equaliser like good old Manchester United. <laughs> it was such a weird one. You know, the changes, obviously, when Tomine comes on, you can say, oh, you know, he shouldn't have done what he did. Um, you could also say that you see those um, every week. But as soon as he's locked his hands around him, as soon as that guy's going to the ground, you know, you know, he's going to be getting that penalty. Um, but then Casemiro stops off, uh, tops off a great performance and a great run of form, really, with uh, this fantastic equaliser, great header. And United get a draw; they definitely deserve. Um, and I guess we we could talk about. Um, you know, if they deserve more. Um, Ari, what did you make of that? Um, yeah, I mean, the kind of points you made were pretty spot on. Uh, I think the way we we started was fantastic. And I think, um, he, you know, Ten Hag's kind of way of the which he, he wants to play and his system is, is finally taking effect. So, you know, pressing from the front, you know, always kind of being in the game and, and moving forward, being attacking, um, like, for example, Luke Shaw down the left. I haven't seen one of our fullbacks get so far forward in a game and really create chances. Um, so I think the the kind of puzzle, the Ten Hag puzzle is kind of coming to, coming to effect and the way he wants to do things. And slightly quicker than I think even I anticipated, especially after the you know, results like Brighton and Brentford, where we kind of looked at, at a bit of a loss. Um, but it, it seems like the way he wants to play in, you know, the so-called Ten Hag ball is uh, is actually taking shape, which is which is fantastic. We've just been, you know, the last two games, haven't seen United like that, so organised in such a long time. You know, that's how top teams like City and, you know, Liverpool last year, that's how they play football when they don't have the ball you press as a team and you press hard to get it back. Um, And that's what we did for the whole 90 against Tottenham. And yesterday, Chelsea were there for the taking. You know, they genuinely were. And if we had a little bit more experience there, I think, you know, those couple of chances we had would have been taken. Um, But yeah, we're clearly lacking an out-and-out striker. Um, And Rashford, yeah, I I don't think is is going to fit that bill. We we need just a complete goal scorer, like, which it's hard to come by, right? I mean, Haaland is one one of the very few and there's not many others like him. So overall, really, really happy with the performance, really happy with the way the team are playing. Um, but one thing that really, really did top it off for me was that reaction from the goal. Um, not only from the players, but how they all literally bundled in with the fans. I mean, like uh, Martinez, I thought he was going to do a little uh, one of those waves, you know, when the crowd, <laughs> when the crowd carry him over. Um, it's that kind of passion and that connection with the fans, which I think we haven't had in so so long. Um, but this group of players, you know, seem to have it, and, and I think 
that's the kind of um, you know mentality that our players need to get those last minute goals, you know, to really push themselves to get the Stratford end rocking when we need a you know you know last minute goal as well. So massive pluses, massive pluses from yesterday. Kyle, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, Ari's there talking about the um, the way that United have sort of elevated themselves to compete with the bigger teams and how their level looks up on, well, certainly on last season, but over the last few years in general. It's even more than that, isn't it? Because, I mean, the things that we've seen over the last week are so reminiscent of a proper Manchester United side. Ari was talking about the togetherness with the, the support and... I think there's one thing that I've really been impressed with with Ten Hag is that, and this is one thing we've definitely criticised this squad over the last year for, um, is their response to either losing a goal or losing a game. Their responses have been so poor, their heads have been down and we've seen them absolutely collapse. And the reactions this season, I mean, you're going to get setbacks, especially when you've got a hodgepodge squad like we have. You are going to get setbacks. So what we're all looking at as supporters of a club with a new manager in is how do we respond to adversity? And I'm not saying every single time, but nine out of ten times where he's been able to control or have some kind of influence in the control of the response, it's always it's nine times out of ten being spot on. I mean, the, it wasn't just like, obviously, Newcastle, everyone was complaining about the performance. We were so flat. And then the response is the reaction. We come out and we absolutely batter Spurs in that first half. And that was something that you saw under Ferguson so many times that if there was some kind of criticism in there, the players would seem to take it personally. And they, I mean, traditionally, over recent years, the players have felt sorry for themselves, but not this this United side or this collective with with the inspiration of the additions. It's, it seems to have had this really strong reaction. And yesterday was um, another one, you know, like to go one goal down... All right, I, I happen to think it was a definite penalty on on Matomni. I think, like you know, all right, you, you do see that kind of thing, but you know, and they do a lot of teams do get away with it. But if you take that chance, you deserve to get a penalty um, given against you. But the reaction from like, the sorry, the, the fact that we had like five minutes left and to react and score a goal like that, um, and the patience with which we showed it wasn't like you know we were panicking or anything. It was like all right, controlled. Exactly the same style thing. I'm, you know, I'm not comparing it to Ferguson at all, but it was reminiscent of something that you would see from the old um, Fergie teams. Uh, how pleased have you been? How familiar have you found this United side since the the Newcastle uh, draw last week? Yeah, a lot more familiar, and I would even go back past the Newcastle draw because. I mean, we're, we were talking about this at the beginning. Uh, you know, we haven't, I don't think we've done a podcast in over a month at this point. Um, and I think the United team we, we last were talking about is very different than the team that we are watching now. Um, and, and I think that's really a credit to Ten Hag. Um, I, th- I think when he came in, there was three things I really wanted to look for, you know, aside from the results. And that was recruitment. Uh, which I think he did a good job on. I know we can go back to the De Jong saga, but um, I mean, players that he really wanted um, like Martinez, I think his mentality is absolutely perfect for what this team needs. I think Anthony is really good at that too. Just wish he would learn how to use his right foot. Um, But uh, I mean, Casemiro, I don't think that was his first choice, but I I mean, he's been a revelation (laughs) since he started being, you know, once he got into the side regularly. Um, beyond, beyond the recruitment though, was really the mentality and the tactics. And that's where you're starting to see the old United again. I think, um, I think last year their heads dropped just so much. Anytime they went down a goal, there was just no fight in them. Even going into matches, even when it, you know, the, the, the game kicks off and it's nil, nil, they still just didn't really have that confidence about them. I think there's still a few players in the squad that, that, that are, are still a little lacking for confidence. Um, we can get into the the substitution yesterday. I think Sancho, <laughs> I, that he needs a goal more than anyone that I've I can remember in a long time. He just needs something to get his confidence back. Um, I, I think that was kind of a forced sub that kind of started to shift the game. Unfortunately, I think Bruno was better when he was center. But um, and then and then tactically, I mean, you've seen it in in the Spurs game and now the Chelsea game. It, it's just this is how you want United to look. And if they did have an out and out you know, goal scorer, I think, you know, they're winning those games significantly. I think, I think that, I think yesterday we, you know, we'd be up 
two, you know, two, three goals at the end of the first half, if there's yeah. just someone who could finish there. Um, so, you know, trying, especially in the first year of a rebuild like this with Ten Hag, trying to look at like what, you know, what, what is the culture? What are the tactics? And I think for the first time, we're really starting to see this is tactically what United looks like. And it does remind you a little bit of the United of the Old because it, it's, it's, it's proactive. They're attacking, you know, they're, they're pushing. And when there is a setback, they just, they get right back to it. Like, exactly. Like you said, the Newcastle game, I mean, they came out and the, the Tottenham performance was one of the best performances I can remember in a long time. And it could have been a lot better if they, if they could just finish some of those chances. But um, I, I think, and then the, 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 the Chelsea game yesterday was just such, it went from being disappointed that we weren't going to, that we, you know, I, I thought we deserved all three points the way we played in the first half. Yeah. And then we kind of took our foot off the gas a little bit in the second. And then when they got the penalty, I was like, oh, like we deserve something out of this. You know, I really thought we deserved all three points based on how we started the game and, and really kind of maintained it um, up until the the subs in the second half. And then, then you just want to get something out of it and they got something out of it, which is not something that would have happened last season. I'm not even sure it would have happened two months ago. Um, it, yeah. it was just awesome to see. And exactly like you said, it was controlled. They weren't just, you know, trying to shoot from 20 yards and, and get a goal. They, they, they worked through it. They kept the ball, they kept possession. And then they, you know, they found an opportunity and, I still can't believe that ball went in. The, the, yeah. And that was an incredible header by Casemiro. It was almost an incredible save um, by Kepa. But I, I just thank God for for a few millimeters there because it, it, it I, I think I scared my poor dog uh, with the, <laughs> the, the roar that I had after that goal. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just looking at, at, at multiple different aspects of Ten Hag, I think we're going to get into another one of them here shortly, unfortunately, is I think he's done a, almost everything right the last month or two. And it's really started to show in the way the team plays and the way that the team acts and the connection it has with the, the supporters in general. I think everyone's, with an exception, fighting for, for each other and the team at this point. Yeah. A few millimeters can make all the difference. Can't yeah, it? that's, that's <laughs> it. That's it. That's all we needed. <laughs> um, Hella says, in hindsight, I'm happy that Young didn't happen. Casemiro kind of came out of the blue, but absolutely delighted with him. Leecher has been great as we knew he would, as I knew he would be. Impressed with Shaw's form as well. Yeah, I mean, that is, bring, is bringing me on to the next point, Kyle. I do want to talk about, uh, we can talk about the defence, because obviously the defence has been magnificent, um, and it's such a shame that um the injury again with Varane you know it's so frustrating to see that happen and you hope that I mean Lindelof when he's come in recently he hasn't let anybody down so you hope that you know if he's going to be the natural partner for Martinez that, that it's not going to be too um destabilizing before before the World Cup um but I do want to talk about the midfield because I tweeted yesterday and got a little bit of division for it. A lot of people understood where it was coming from. A lot of people say, no, you can't say that. It's sacrilege. And I understand both sides. I said, um, watching Casemiro and Ericsson kind of reminded me of 2001 Roy Keane and 2007 <laughs> Paul Scholes together. And I know we're talking about two of the greatest players of, of United's history. And I'm not saying that these players are... But you've got to remember as well, Casemiro is a world-class midfielder who's won numerous Champions Leagues. You can't just oh, yeah. say that he, he doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the conversation. And Eriksen is one of the best creative midfielders in Premier League history. You can't say that he doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same breath. And I'm not saying, I'm obviously, Keenan Scholes are, are better, but, it, you, know, and, you know, I'm not saying Casemiro and Eriksen can't outprove me on that one either because they're still very early into the, the United careers. But you look at what they bring to the midfield, Kyle, and the stability, the, the tenacity, um, Casemiro's ability to, you know, he's rapid. I, I saw I was talking about this on the podcast with Lee and Phil on, on Friday night. Casemiro's range of tackling is so reminiscent of Keane's, the way that he can wrap his legs around and just come away with a ball. The way that he goes into tackles, even like when he got the yellow card against Spurs, he still went into them with the authority and still won the ball. And Ericsson, um, perhaps not as physically resolute as Skulls, um, but certainly um, not markedly less clever on the ball. He's, he's so good on the ball. He's so good at finding spaces. Possibly what you're lacking physicality from, Ericsson, you, you make up in agility, the way that he moves around is a little, probably a little bit more graceful than what Skulls was. Um, and it, in tandem together, 
neither of them might have been United's first choices, but they, it's the bit, regardless of whether you say, oh, they are Scholes and Keane or whatever, it's definitely the best midfield that we've had since, let's say, Scholes and Carrick were in there, isn't it? For, for 10 years, it, it looks completely transformed. I'd, I'd say pretty easily. Like, I mean, what I'm trying to think of some of the nightmare midfield pairings we've had over the last, you know, five, six years, even. And it's, it's, it's hard to think about. Um, and, and it's weird too, because I really thought Erickson was going to come in and, and, you know, with the, the heart condition, I thought, oh, maybe he's, you know, he's going to be there to, to help carry the load with, with Bruno. So because Bruno plays essentially yeah. every match, you know, maybe he's going to kind of, you know, they'll rotate a little bit. I never expected him to be the like to play the deep line role. That's not what I'm I'm used to him. It's not what I really remembered from his Spurs days. Um, and he's just and he's just dropped back and he's and he's perfect. Like it's it's like it was really a testament to to his his overall ability and technique. And he's just filled that role to me almost flawlessly. You know, you worry about him defensively, but you haven't really needed to because Casemiro is so good at, at reading the game and, and intercepting the ball, making the tackle. Um, and, and the thing that I've also been impressed with him by is, is you never thought of him as the creative player in that Madrid midfield. I mean, it, how could you, you know, considering he's playing with, with Modric and, 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 you know, um, but he, his passing is very good. Like he's, 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 you know, he is able to kind of dictate the game a little bit from his position and, it's so refreshing to have that kind of two dynamic midfielders that, that read the game. Well, that, 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 you know, are able to kind of build the attack, you know, uh, um, be that link between the, the, the defense and the attack. I, I think they've been exceptional. I mean, I, I honestly can't think of any, of any midfielder in the last 10 years that has been close to what we've seen from them in the, in these, you know, first few months of the season. Yeah. Um, Harry, I mean, we've spent this sort of post Ferguson era, you know, can we unlock Pogba? What can <laughs> Matic do? What what who's Herrera's best partner? And these two have just yeah. come in and you're not even those kind of topics, that kind of agenda is just yeah. no, nobody's even mentioning that sort of stuff. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's it's yeah. absolutely testament to how, how good they are as footballers, isn't it? Yeah. Well to be fair, out of those players you mentioned, Herrera I thought was you know, he he's one which I think should and, and could have stayed a little bit longer than he did. Um, but yeah, 100%. I mean, that's uh, a part of the park where which we've struggled with for a very, very long time. And I personally don't think we've ever replaced Roy Keane from the standpoint of having a box-to-box midfielder, breaking up play, being aggressive. Um, and yeah, Casemiro is the first one that's showing signs of that kind of um, that kind of player that we needed, um, and Ericsson, on the other hand, like I've just been so impressed with, you know, his his general vision, his creativity, um, and what he we haven't had in such a long time. In that, whenever we've had the ball, we always would go sideways. Then we wouldn't have that player that would feel you know confident enough to put through, you know, creative pass. And, and basically, when, we, when we've just got the ball back in possession, you know, let's look at how we can go forward. Let's look at how we can cut the lines, get a winger in, or, or you know, look at for that kind of, you know, first kind of initial pass to get the move going. And I guess because Ericsson, you know, doesn't have anything to prove, I don't think he feels any pressure, um, he's the one that's been doing it for us. Maybe not, you know, the last kind of deadly pass, but like, for example, I still remember against Liverpool, he played this cute little ball into Malassia, who then put it into Sancho for Sancho's goal. And I mean, we we just didn't have anyone for the last three to four years that had that kind of vision, which is having a huge, huge impact. So, I mean... Again, we were talking about recruitment and how well kind of Martinez has fit in and had this relationship with Varane. And I hope it's the same for Casemiro. You know, we needed a central defensive midfield player. Um, we needed someone to help with, with vision as well and moving forward. And so we've got this pairing in Casemiro and Eriksson. Um, I know they're very, very uh, big billing to live up to with Roy Keane. And poor skulls, but um, but yeah, they could be could be um, living up to that expectation. 
Yeah, um, Hella says we're bossing it in our pressing play now, and some teams are not expecting that from us. Good for Varane, how good has he been? Spurs could have used a creative midfielder like Erickson right about now. They've been woeful, which pleases me immensely. Uh, it's another bad result for them today. And Newcastle getting a win on the road, which you know shows you how difficult um, it is to play against them at home. Apparently, they're 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 good. <laughs> they're 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 and I I mean they're obviously going to get better. We know the money situation, but they've, yeah. they've they've turned it around very quickly. And if you think about it, over the last week we played three teams which are above us in the league, and we've got five points, and we're only three points now off Tottenham, who are third. So. It's not been the worst of weeks, you know. Yeah, um, you know, I, I, I completely agree with everything you guys said about Casemiro. And the more I see him play, especially because I, I kind of enjoy it sometimes when you see a player who's you can see very, if you're looking at it rationally and reasonably, you can see a player's been slowly integrated into the team. He's been slowly integrated to the, the pace of the league. You could see that Tenog was deliberately doing that, and everyone's going, "Oh, it's another Van der Beek." He's never. Why did he buy him if he's not going to play him? And then he comes in, and it reminds me again to make the Keane comparison. But I'm going to go back to when Keane was right at the end, when um, so like that last year when he'd had the problems. But whenever he played, he was still probably the man of the match, unless someone was completely outstanding and, and bossed him. You know, he said like you know like if Rooney comes on and he scores like a hat trick or something, they're having these star games then Keane was usually the man of the match. He was like an 8 out of 10 every single week, and this was like latter-day Keane. And Casemiro reminds me of that. You put him in, and I know if you take him out immediately, immediately you'd be like, oh, my God, oh, don't we miss that player? Because he's the kind of player who's doing, I don't want to be mean to McTominay and Fred because they both serve the purpose at certain points this season. But he looks like what you wanted McTominay and Fred to be in a single player. He does all that kind of thing, and he's so, he's so good. And um, yeah, it's it fantastic yesterday um, again. So yeah, we've got to talk about the forward line. I mean, I know you guys might want to talk about give your opinions on Ronaldo as well, but I want to talk about the forward I'm line. Okay, without talking about Ronaldo, where we, we I, th- I think that's been talked to death. I don't know. Let's talk about the players that are playing for the club. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll talk about the forward line in general. <laughs> Harry mentioned it earlier on that you know that's one area that we need a massive upgrade, and we do. One thing I, I would want to say on that is that, you know, we're upgraded in stages, right? So we upgraded the defence. That's been, not I'm not saying fixed, but there's been a massive upgrade in that area. Even Luke Shaw coming out, which, it, I mean, Luke Shaw has obviously been a revelation, as we know that he can be when he's got competition. I wasn't the biggest fan of him coming out and saying, isn't it great what happens when you've got a left-footed centre-back by the side of you? Because I think... A bit unnecessary, but also as unnecessary as Aaron Maguire tweeting, come on, lads, like after Ronaldo's thing. It's like, we don't need <laughs> politics right now. Um, anyway, but the forward line, let's get to the forward line. Because we talked about the midfield, we talked about the defence, there's obvious upgrades in those areas. We can see how significantly that has helped United. So when you look at maybe the left wing and you see Sancho struggling, when you look at um, possibly the one or two occasions where Dallow's had a bad game, like against City, and you think, oh, he's, he's still suspect defensively, no matter how much he's improved. And then you look at the forward line and you think, if Rashford's not breaking through on one-on-ones, if he's got the defence in front of him and the goalkeeper in front of him, his, his finishing style is nowhere near as as uh, prolific, let's, let's say. It does bring you onto that issue with the forward line and you have three forwards who, for one reason or another, they bring something but not quite the complete package. And with Martial, it's, does he do it enough in the big games or is he reliable enough to not cry off, if, if that's what we're going to say? Or you know, or even, even just playing not injury-prone enough. And then you've got that um, aspect with Rashford with the clinical finishing. And then you've obviously got the issue with Ronaldo, whether or not he plays, whether or not he wants to play and how, um, how good he is. And how capable he is of um, matching Tenog's system when he does. I mean, I will say, and we're not really going to, like, Kyle, I'm going to bow to your wish on this one. And we're not going <laughs> to go over the Ronaldo thing. But in terms of his capabilities, I will say, I feel that when he's played, I think he's tried to play the Tenog way. I don't think he's just said, oh, I'm just going to play it my way. He's, he's tried to press. You've just seen that the legs are not quite there. 
when he yeah. played came on against Everton, he was he was quite good against Everton in a different way to what Martial was. And we know that Martial is probably more of a fit for that kind of forward player than either a Rashford or Martial. Uh, Rashford yeah. or Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean, without getting into like the, the the politics of Ronaldo right now, just getting into the the style of play, I, I do think that he's trying to play the way that Ten Hag wants to play when he's on the pitch. Um, I do think that physically um, some of the elements required for that style has kind of passed him by. I mean, age comes for us all. Uh, he's not that much older than me at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, um, it, it's 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 and it's been hard to watch because you can tell that he's trying and it's just not happening for him. And it, it makes me sad because, like, I mean, some of my favorite memories um of watching United where, where that stretch from, you know, 06 to 09 when, when he was at his peak really. Um, but it, it, it's just hard. And, and I don't think it's all his fault either. The, the one thing that drives me insane is whoever is on the pitch with him when he does play, tries to play through him. Everything runs through. It's so one dimensional. Everything's trying to run through. Ronaldo. it's like players will pass up a, you know, an opportunity to try to feed the ball to Ronaldo. And it, I, I'd rather like they play so much more like selflessly when it's when he's not on the pitch, they kind of play together. There there's, there's a rhythm in what they're doing that, you know, there's, there's, there's synergy with Ronaldo. It, it's very one dimensional. Like the balls, they're going to try to get the ball to Ronaldo. And I don't think that's necessarily all him to say, you know, to, to say, yeah. I think he does want the ball. I think he demands it. And you obviously see the outcry when he doesn't get it, but um I think it, it's it's it changes the mentality of the players around him too, and and that's where I think they really start to struggle. I, I wish I wish there was a way for him to play without them doing that, but it, clearly it's not working. You know, whatever you know, whatever it is that that they feel like they have to try to kind of play through him and get him involved. Yeah, it's an interesting. One. I, I I wonder when you see Ronaldo play. Normally they've played Sancho wide and Anthony wide, and I think mm-hmm. maybe you'd be better off playing Ronaldo uh, Rashford wide if you're gonna if you have to play Ronaldo through the middle, there's no other place to play Ronaldo, then at least put Rashford wide of him because I think, yeah, all right, Rashford's a little bit more greedy, but at least he's hungry for goals and Sancho doesn't play in that same kind of way. And if he's not playing in that kind of way, then there's no freedom for Ronaldo, really, because you know that he's the target. Whereas, you know, if you've got Anthony and you've got Rashford, then more so Rashford, that you've got someone who's trying to score goals. Um, You mentioned this earlier, Harry. You were talking about the forward players, the the obvious area now that United, that area that United needs to improve. And yeah, we do have these issues with the forward players. By the way, I mean, if you're going to talk about problems, it's not necessarily the worst problem to have. If you can get one one or two of these players clicking, because I remember, I mean, certainly there's no ruling out that Ronaldo, regardless of how far gone it seems, there's no... 100% 100% ruling out that Ronaldo can turn it on and have a really good run of form. That could definitely happen. Martial could click into gear and that could definitely happen. We've seen from Rashford and Ronaldo, uh, Rashford and Martial in the past that they can inspire themselves when they're in competition to, to play good form. And especially when they're on the pitch together, they can look magnificent together. So it's not necessarily the worst problem to have. The only issue is that you look at the ceilings of each of those players and you, you, you wonder are we better off trying something new because we've had four or five years of at least two of those players and we know that Ronaldo, we're not going to get another four or five. So it's a very difficult situation, not the worst thing to try. And you, But you look at the fact that you've seen improvement in this system through players who aren't necessarily massive, um, massively expensive. You know, yeah, Anthony definitely is, but... <laughs> Ericsson came on a free. Martinez, not the most expensive defender. Malassia, certainly not. And what you've seen in those areas is this profound improvement. So as long as you get a player who's fairly quick in that front line and fairly decisive with his finishing, I'm not saying that this is going to be a player who's like a Holland, but it could have a profound impact on the versatility and danger of that front line, couldn't it? Absolutely. And I mean... If you think about it and break down our forward line, we actually have quite a few players in there as it is. So we've obviously got Anthony, Ronaldo, Rashford, Sancho and Martial. That's five players. If they can all be fit at the same time, 
and all be singing off the same hymn sheet, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and they're giving each other competition. And, you know, we could, that in itself could mean that we don't need to get another striker in. Um, I mean, I, I know Carl mentioned about Anthony and his right foot. Yeah, he obviously needs to work on that. But that is one position that we've struggled with. I mean, Sancho was brought in to play on the right. We finally got someone with with a left foot, very good left foot. I mean, his goal against City was amazing. Um, that can play on the right. So that seems to be sorted for now. Um, and then for the rest, like Rashford, again, he's... He he is very much a confidence player, and he scored you know goals in big games this year. So you would hope that confidence kind of goes forward. Um, but I think you mentioned it um, in that his finishing is a little bit one-dimensional. He always goes for that little knuckleball kind of strong kind of hit in his finishing. Um, and Martial, who knows, he might come back as a brand new player under a new manager that has full confidence and faith in him because I think from previous years he has been that kind of player if you give him that confidence at running the team he does you know produce results it just depends which Martial um, turns up and then and then Sancho I mean I was reading a stat today when he was at Dortmund I think his last two years he'd scored between like 10 to 15 goals if not more and got 20 odd assists again with Haaland, but still, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, those those are stats which are, are strong stats, right? You know, there's obviously something in there which needs to be unlocked to get him up to his full potential. So you're right that we, we have players there. We have five players there for three positions. So that in itself, they should be egging each other on and, and, you know, once, let's hope, Ronaldo does come round, he should be the one which is the experienced head, right? Which is helping bringing these players through um, and improving them. Um, and again, I completely agree with Carl's point is when he is on the pitch, everyone feels that, you know, it has to go through Ronaldo. And I just think that can't change because... Ten Hag's not going to say don't pass to Ronaldo. When Ronaldo's on the pitch, he's not going to say don't pass to me because when they don't, he's going to get frustrated. And that in itself just just kind of changes the game, you know, in the kind of wrong direction for us. As in, we tend to go backwards. Like Bruno doesn't play the way he should do when Ronaldo's sometimes there. But anyway... Yeah, going back to my point, it's you know we have the players there; they should be egging each other on, um, and yeah, we should really be improving amongst ourselves with what we have. Yeah. A few comments here, some of the same names coming in. Um, Heli says, "I always stick Rashi on the left, not as a false nine. Martial sadly is too injury prone. It's a bonus when he can play." I had to smile when you said, Harry, maybe under a new manager, he can, he can do well. I, 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 I laughed at that too. I was like, how many times have we said that now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Alice says, We're, um, I'm hoping for Gakpo. Ronaldo will be gone soon. And also, Sancho never really kicked off until around November at Dortmund. He's got goals in him. Um, I'll come to Dave's comment first on this. It says, Evening, gents. We need to spend next summer's budget in January on Cody Gakpo. It's a challenge for this league. We are sure just a prolific striker. He's our man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a good good point. By the way, Dave was going to be over in England um, over the coming days, so he's going to be on uh, next week's podcast with Paul Parker. I'm excited to see him and give him a big bear man hug. Um, miss him. Good old Dave He says, in, Ronaldo, in regards to Ronaldo, we need to terminate his contract. Well, a bit harsh here. ASAP, no, not harsh, actually. Now I'm reading it. Uh, we need to terminate his contract ASAP. Big Ronnie fan, but this team is not built for Ronaldo. He could ruin his legacy with his antics. Um, yeah, let's talk about this quick. Um, let me just one more comment. One more comment before I get to <laughs> Ronaldo. Um, even though I know Kyle didn't want to talk about him, but I've got a different, different way. Different At least there's an opportunity to talk about the, the new new forwards that we can bring in to eventually replace him. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> KF4 says, I know it won't happen, but Kane's contract is up in 2024. At this rate, his only option in England is United or Spurs. 
fancy a 20 million, a cheeky 20 million bid in the summer. I, yeah, I fancy it, but you can imagine. Um, I, 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 I can tell you one person who doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you imagine going back to Daniel Levy with 20 yeah, million? Yeah, I, I was like, there's one person who's, who would not like that. <laughs> um, yeah, Ronaldo. Um, look, so there seems to be, I don't want to talk about what happened. I think we're all on the same same wavelength of, of you know, it's probably, I, I thought at some point between um, the Spurs game and the weekend that we might see a repeat of the Roy Keane situation where they just announced abruptly that he's, his contract's been terminated and he's moved on. It hasn't happened. He's still at the club. Seems to be a little bit of backtracking now, um, as you sort of see with Ronaldo after a couple of these things since the summer. It's a little bit of frustration in the heat of the moment and then sort of like settling down and realising his current status and his current options. And dare I say it, maybe a nervous conversation with George Mendes about what the likelihood of that next step represents, you know, and, and you know, how far down he's likely to have to look. Um, and, you know, it serves him better to be United at this moment than it serves United to have him. And because, you know, the steep drop that he faces is not going to be pleasant for him. The only alternative I can see um, it's Chelsea coming in because of the, you know, the sort of contretemps that was there between um, the manager um, Tuchel before before he was sacked, and that seemed to centre a lot on wanting to bring Bowley, wanting to bring Ronaldo in, um, in in the, you know, in the in the summer. So perhaps that could rear its head again if, you know, Graham Potter. So it says, you know, I'm not going to turn down the chance to work with someone like Ronaldo. You, you've got that potential avenue for a transfer. But other than that, um, MLS. I was going to say, I mean, yeah, the MLS is always looking for for big names this side of the pond. So, well, But what do you mean for that then, Kyle? Because I mean, like, over this last 24 hours, it does seem to be yet again, for at least the second time this season, that there's been some kind of revision. In, internally in the Ronaldo camp and they've sort of gone, oh, do you know what? Perhaps it's best not to rock the boat. So he's tweeting, he's putting on his Instagram, come on United, and there's a lot of... Yeah, I talk. saw that yesterday and it made me chuckle. Uh, no, I, I mean, I to me, Ronaldo doesn't seem like one of those players that's going to come over to MLS. Like, I just think he wants to go out in one of the big leagues. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see him doing the, the retirement tour in MLS at any stage. Um, maybe I've got that totally wrong. I just think um, I mean, his ego has served him incredibly well. I mean, it's what made him who he is. I mean, he always strived to be the best. I don't think he wants that last chapter to be at a uh, at an MLS club. Or I know he had the offer. Um, what was it? The Saudi League over the summer. Like, I don't think he wants to take that step. I think he'd ideally like to finish in England or Spain or Italy or one of those, you know, one of the one of the big leagues and, and finish off on top. Um, I, I don't think he would take that route. So I, I think you're right. I think that probably in, in, in his camp, they're saying, okay, what are our options? And he's not seeing any of the options that he wants, which is, you know, a champions league club. And he's like, Oh, maybe, maybe I need to, to make amends and, and try to stick around because this, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't like any of the offers that are on the table right now. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Larry? Because obviously the contract is, I think the options on the United side this, this summer and, you can't imagine it, if United go back to the table and if they do offer a new deal. I mean, first of all, I guess if they extend the contract, then it's going to be on the current terms, which is everything that Ronaldo's going to want um, and everything that United probably don't at this moment in time, you know. And if he goes elsewhere, the whatever 500 grand, 400 grand that he's on is going to be 200 grand at a club who will be pushing the top dollar to, to get him. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. let's, let's argue for the sake of um, putting the point out there that Napoli wanted him. You know what I mean? They, they might say, all right, we'll, we'll put this chunk of a wage budget to him. Just, you know, give him 200 grand, leverage it against something else, give him a percentage of all this just to get him in for a short period of time. But it's really having to work. He's going to have to, drop those kind of expectations to that kind of level yeah. if he wants a decent move after United. 
Well, I think that's the I think that's the weird thing is is there's there was all this talk in the summer about he wants to play in the Champions League, he wants to play in the Champions League, he wants to be in the Champions League, right? Like that that was the 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 party line all summer. Even if it didn't come directly from him, it came from people that he was you know his camp was feeding the information to. Ronaldo has more money than any of us could even dream of. Like if if it was that big of a deal to go for the record, to go for the you know to to go you know have the champions league record for goals to be in the champions league. Cause that's where he thinks he belongs. Why not take that $200,000 offer somewhere? Like what well, if, 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 if he didn't feel like there was a good offer on the table, just take an offer from a champions league club. That was what I didn't really understand. It's like, yeah, most clubs probably aren't going to pay you what United are paying you. In fact, I can't think of any that would pay you what United are paying you. But if, if, if you're, if you're so dead set as a competitor on being in the champions league, Take a lower offer. You you he doesn't need the money at this point. You know, I'm sure it's nice. Never turn down money, but you know, for him, the difference between five hundred thousand and two hundred thousand, I don't think is the end of the world. Like like if if that's if your priority is the Champions League, then just take whatever offer is on the table. Exactly, it's the value of the opportunity at this point. How, how much yeah. does he value that opportunity, Harry? Um, the point Helen makes a good point. Napoli don't need him anymore, but. This is the the conundrum that he finds himself in. Sonny's made this great point here. Hi guys, back to sporting would be the romantic option. Money's the problem. I feel we may have to pay a big chunk of his wages unless he's released. And I guess when he's had that conversation with Mendes, it's like, should we negotiate a, a termination of the contract? They're like, well, let's not turn our back on that money just yet. And that's the, the situation that they found themselves in, isn't it, Aaron? Exactly, and and I think that's what prompted the very quick U-turn. I think it still goes to show that money goes a, a very long way in in football. Um, yeah, ultimately, you know, across, I think it's a hybrid here in in what Ronaldo wants. You know, he ultimately wants to get this record in in Champions League goals, um, but he wants to get paid at the same time. You know, so that's why the MLS isn't for him, and I think. I think really his he's still at that level mentally anyway, and to be fair, physically where he wants to be at the peak, where he wants to be at a high level of football. And no disrespect to the MLS, I don't think that's what um, you know is where he wants to be. It doesn't get won't get him out of bed in the morning, you know, to play that kind of football. So um, so it's a tricky one. I mean, I, I doubt at the end of the season, United are gonna turn around with a contract for him uh, unless something drastic happens in, in the way um, he plays for us or his relationship with Ten Hag. I mean, something needs to change massively for him to stay. And and I think um, for the money that we're paying him, there's, there's not many European clubs out there that will pay that money. Um, and I, yeah, again, that point about Napoli, I mean... It's a point about the clubs in general in the Champions League. How many teams in the Champions League, you know, need Cristiano Ronaldo really at, you know, 36, 37 years old, demanding even 200 grand a week for European clubs is massive. It's huge. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have the big money like Premier League clubs have. Um, so I think he, he's going to have a big, big kind of, you know, issue at the end of the year as to where he actually goes um hence this this quick turn like i said on on uh, his twitter posts or insta posts you know that i think mendez mostly sat him down and said look it's been a while but this club has done this before like you said about roy Keane, you know if you push a little bit too hard they have the ability of just turning around saying look this isn't working out we'll terminate your contract um, so yeah, just, just calm down a little bit and see the season through. Um, and that's why he's done what he's done and, and just relaxed a little bit. But yeah, like I said, don't think there's too many clubs out there for, for yeah. him. Really. I yeah. feel a little bit, I mean, obviously I'm a huge Ronaldo fan and I want to see him extend the record in which he's got. And I don't, you know, I don't want to see Messi overtake him. And like, you know, there's going to be, there's two records on it. There's a Champions League record. Which he's not in complete control of because you can't, you know what I mean. He can't dictate United's success in that um, as much as he'd like to on the pitch. But um, 
there's the other goal record, which Messi's because he's having a great season at Paris, and now we might feel incentivized to go like, oh, do you know what? I'll have two or three more seasons playing alongside Mbappe, and well, depending on what happens with him, but Mbappe and Neymar, they still still Don't be able on to. That. <laughs> but whoever Paris, even if they bring in someone to replace Mbappe, he's going to be one of the best creators in in Europe. So Messi's going to have his pick of the goals in the French league. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's say if he gets 20 or 30 and that, you know, Ronaldo's going to be, even if he's playing just club football and he wants that club football goal record extending, he's going to have to be there and be present in a team where he's scoring goals, no matter um, what league that is in, um, which is, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, Dave says here, Earthquakes offer one hundred thousand dollars a week and a Popeye's loyalty card. If he week. goes to the U.S., he's he's going. To, he he'll end up in L.A. because I, I that's the lifestyle that he's going to want. But <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Um, Phil Neville's. I was going to say maybe Miami, but I, I mean, that's a, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I honestly, even though I'm American, I don't follow MLS very closely. I don't think they're doing very well. So can you can you imagine Ronaldo being managed by Phil Neville? It would be. <laughs> Oh, so funny. It would, it would, it would bring, it would bring Beckham and Ronaldo together, which would be a, a kind of an interesting storyline. But Phil Neville being his manager would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Romeo Beckham providing the crosses for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will see. Um, yeah, so that's it for this week, guys. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with Paul Parker to talk about the, the Chelsea game, get his thoughts on it, and also preview the game against Sheriff in the... Um, coming days after that, um, which is the Europa League game on Thursday. I think time just ran out to preview that one tonight, um, but I'll talk about it with Paul tomorrow. If you've enjoyed the pod, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Really appreciate that. And leave comments if you're watching the replay. If you've listened back on the audio podcast, please be sure to um, like and give us a review and subscription on the platform you're listening on. Until next week, guys, stay well, safe, and Thanks for listening and watching. Cheers, guys. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.